0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the On Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, On Enquirer publisher here with you. And today on the podcast, we're going to talk some Illini hoops with Michael Tuup We'll talk about the AP ranking Illinois gets back. Are they high enough in those rankings? We'll talk about the win over Maryland, what Illinois showed, what they learned from that win, especially uh, with everything of that happened when Kofi Coburn was on the bench, but also what you learned when Kofi was on the floor. We'll talk about the week ahead, which includes Nebraska, and we think... Michigan we'll see if that game actually gets played with Michigan right now on a COVID pause and I asked Michael Tuip for his top five teams in the Big Ten we'll find out where Illinois ranks on that so we had great stuff with Michael Tuip coming up but first I want to address something with you Illini fans sometimes I feel like you Illinois fans aren't comfortable with your current status as a contender you still got this scrappiness of the previous down decade Illinois basketball is back and you know it during the last three years, Illinois is 33-11 during Big Ten play. Five more wins in Wisconsin, six more wins in Michigan State and Ohio State, and seven more wins in Michigan. But it's like Illinois fans need everyone to say they're back. It's not enough to say Kofi Coburn is the number two national player of the year candidate. You have to scream down Johnny Davis as being the frontrunner on January 10th. It's not enough that Illinois is ranked in the top 25. It's, why aren't they ranked in the top 20? I get it. You're passionate about your team. It's what makes you guys fanatics. And it's part of what makes the Illinois fan base great. But it feels like a lot of wasted energy on, again, January 10th. Illinois is a really good basketball team. But the mad online response to Illinois only being ranked number 25 this week was pretty amusing to watch. Sure, I do think Illinois is better than several of the teams ranked ahead of them. Sure. I think a lot of media that vote in the poll haven't watched much of Illinois during their recent stretch of nine wins in 10 games. I know I don't get to watch a lot of teams across the country, which makes me wonder sometimes if us beat writers are the ones that should be voting for this. I think people who watch every game or our national writers or our broadcasters have a better handle of that. But Illinois, during that stretch, has a 35-point win over Rutgers, a 25-point win over Missouri, a 23-point win at Minnesota, and a 12-point win over Maryland. They look pretty good. But it's okay that they're not ranked top 15 right now, because really, it doesn't matter. No, media don't hate your team, and they're not ignoring your team. Though I'm sure some of you uh, are following Illini Media who tell you otherwise. Hey, retweets and likes, them, alright? But let's actually break this down. Illinois is an analytical darling, ranking 11th in the Ken Palm and 10th in the net, in part because of its blowout wins. These numbers and analytical rankings are really encouraging for Illinois, and right now they project Illinois to win the Big Ten. I think Illinois will be one of the few teams in contention for the conference title during the last few weeks, but the Illini's resume is flawed. Illinois' best win right now is at Iowa, which on the road in the Big Ten is a good win. Iowa right now is the number 26 team in the ChemPom ratings. They're an 11 and four team, but they're currently tied for 10th in the Big Ten at one and three. Illinois is three and three against quad one and quad two opponents. So let's compare them to some of the teams ranked above them. Providence is ranked lower in the analytics than its current number 23 ranking in the AP poll. Kempom has Providence number 50. NET has them number 35. Illinois is getting lowballed, right? Well, Providence is 6-2 and against quad one and two teams with wins over Wisconsin, Texas Tech, and UConn away from home and a home win over Seton Hall. Those are all better wins in Illinois right now. Their losses are to Virginia and Marquette. Illinois has a loss to Marquette, too. The eye test tells me number 13 Wisconsin isn't as good as Illinois. The analytics say that, too. Wisconsin is ranked 30th in the Palm, 24th in the net. But Wisconsin is an amazing 8-2 against Quad 1 and 2 teams. They may be close wins. Some might call those lucky. But they did beat Houston, St. Mary's, Indiana, Purdue, Iowa, Texas A&M. Those happened. AP voters rightfully are rewarding Wisconsin and giving them that top 15 ranking. The analytics similarly aren't as high on number 15 Iowa State the Cyclones, again, have earned that ranking going five and two against quad one opponents. I think there's an argument Illinois is better than number 18 Kentucky, which is one and three against quad one and two opponents, but it's ranked number 10 in the Kempom, number 11 in the net, which is kind of the argument for Illinois, right? And yeah, Kentucky's kind of loaded up uh, wins against quad four opponents. They're 11 and 0 against quad three and four opponents, padding that record. But Illinois is 8 and 0 against quad three and four opponents. So yeah, Illinois is probably better than the number 25 team in the country today, but it doesn't really matter right now. Illinois will have plenty of chances to rise in the coming weeks. With Michigan, Purdue, and Michigan State on the schedule the next three weeks, heck, Illinois could be in the top 15 or top 10 entering February if they continue their hot streak. So take a deep breath, enjoy your good basketball team and the legendary big man who will be among the National Player Year candidates in March. Stop the witch hunt for guys with under 2,000 followers who say otherwise. Your team is good. If anything, AP voters just gave your team some fuel because they seem to play better the last couple of years when they're not ranked, when they feel disrespected, when they feel overlooked. On second thought, maybe you guys just show up more as a fan base when you find some perceived slight or disrespect. Bring that energy against Michigan and Purdue when they come to town in the coming week. That could make your really good basketball team even better. All right. With that off my chest, let's talk with Michael Tuop coming up next on the Alana Enquirer podcast. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Welcome back into the Illini Enquirer podcast. Michael Tuop, our Illini Enquirer basketball analyst. And on a scale, Mike, from, I guess we should say, doesn't matter whatsoever to uh, find every AP voter that disrespected Illinois, how upset should Illinois fans be that uh, Illinois is number 25 in the AP poll?
1: Should I look at it from a fan's perspective or from uh, inside the the locker room walls? I think it's, it's two different types of, Disrespect, I guess. Um, but you and I you and I talked about it right? It's the top 25 voting, it's really hard for all these AP voters to watch all the games. And I think right now if you look at Illinois schedule and if you look at the wins that they have and granted they've won nine of 10 with that loan loss coming to Arizona, I don't know. I, you know, they are still they still need that marquee win. I think they have a lot of really solid wins, and convincingly at that. I mean, they've won their last almost every Big Ten game by double figures, um, but they still need that marquee win, and, and I think that's when you're a voter. Those are the type of things that you look at when you can't watch all the games. And, you know, I, I think for some of the teams that are still higher in that ap top 25 that's what they look at as well oh yeah. will they be duke oh will they be you know here's their marquee win we'll keep them in the top 25 you know there should have been a lot of shakeup in that top 25 and there just wasn't you know i think you and i talked earlier i think colorado state's the only one that dropped out of that top 25 so you know it, it's tough but I, but i think this illinois team is really really flourished being a little bit disrespected yeah. uh i say disrespected um i guess a little bit tongue-in-cheek but yeah no i think they're in a position right now to to continue to play the underdog a little bit uh you know they are ranked but they're 25th and they're still you know if they came in at 17 you could be like oh well you know that that sounds about right but but 25th you can still play the disrespected card i guess and and play it as bulletin board material so they have plenty of opportunities here coming up to continue to stack wins and you know, they Nebraska even here to start. They every year it seems like they, they play Nebraska plays them close out in, out in Lincoln. So you just got to take a game at a time, and all that stuff will, will take care of itself. Would you rather be a, a, a number twelve AP team right now or go to a Sweet Sixteen? Yeah. You know, like you know, I, I get you can have both, but we we understand especially last year how much that really matters. Come March, you know, you want to trend in the right direction, but still a lot of basketball left to be played.
0: Yeah, I don't think they're the 25th best team in this country. I think they're better than that. I, I don't think their resume, despite the net ranking, right? Like, I don't know if their resume is as good as some others, right? They don't have the wins others have. The, the things the analytics love about them is the blowouts they've been having recently, which I think is a really good sign going into, uh, which is a huge stretch. And I, I want to get into that with you, Mike. I want to get into, we're going to ask you your top five teams uh, in the Big Ten right now, which is a lot different than I think we would have thought before the season, uh, and I want to do all of that. But a, a nice week for Illinois, go on the road to Minnesota, just absolutely clobber them, and then you come home against Maryland, and uh, is a weird game, man, but uh, it shows how much Kofi Coburn matters, plus 28 and a 12-point win, and they were bad when he was out uh, uh, with foul trouble. What was your biggest takeaways from the win over Maryland that ended up being 12-point win?
1: Yeah, well, I think after the layoff, it it really wasn't going to be the Minnesota game. It was going to be Maryland on that on that short turnaround to see where these guys' legs were at and if they could bring it, you know, for two times in three days. And I don't think it was the best win of the season, but it was arguably the most important, um, in my opinion. I think the way they have won this year has been with Kofi dominance and hot outside shooting most times. Um, you know, but here you go. Here, here's here's a game where you go over. You know, or you go 8 for 30 from 3 and you have 10 Kofi-less minutes in the first half, and I, I don't want to frame that in a way that's, hey Kofi was out and you shot poorly and you still won, because I'd be remiss to not mention the 27-9 to run that Maryland had and I think it's much less, hey, we can win games like this, even if this happens yeah, you can win games like that when you're up 14 before that 27-9 run, but if that's a tie game and then it's 27 to 9 run that's a really really it's, it's close to an insurmountable type of comeback and we've we've seen before with this type of team although the three-point shooting is better but when you rely on a post presence those comebacks are typically harder because you're trying to establish two-point position uh, as opposed to three-point position uh, in these comebacks but um, I say that because it's not necessarily a situation where you say hey great we won this is awesome and now when we play like this we can we know we can win it's more that we have stuff on film we have stuff on film we have a stretch like this on film where kofi is out we're not shooting it well and the interior defense was a problem like you the second kofi checked out reese had an offensive board put back um ayala then had a layup martinez got fouled for two free throws ayala and one Plummer gambled you know coleman or omar Payne had to commit they kicked it back out to dante scott Three and then Scott had a layup and then Ayala had another foul and went to the line. So it was the interior defense went from having Kofi in there where he he alone he doesn't have to be blocking shots he deters people from driving in to hey they just had they were just going in at will and part of that was a little bit of transition. There was an Alfonso Plumber you know airballed floater and Grandison got a shot blocked off the backboard for these runouts, but they were living in the pain during that run. And I know they had a couple kickout threes and Dante Scott had a three in transition. But for the most part, that's where the Achilles heel was. So you get that on film now and you watch it and you find ways to combat it, whether that's switching up ball screen coverages or, you know, switching up lineups or, hey, this is who we want in there when he's out. You know, you, you actually have something to work with. So I think from that perspective, you know, it's a good thing to see on film.
0: So what do you think they take from all of that, Mike? Um, Because Omar Payne was in foul trouble, too, and that's been something that's been an issue all season here. So if this happens, again, because it will at some point. Kofi does a pretty good job of staying out of foul trouble, but – I'm glad you brought up the defense that was as big of a of an issue right Illinois made its run in the second half because they were getting stops uh, and that makes offense a little bit easier as well so what do you think they'll do differently Brad Underwood said today uh, that was on me Um, the offensive actions we were doing and you brought up the defense so what do you think they change next time
1: yeah I don't don't think you completely overhaul your defense when he's out but I think you got to get a little bit a little bit creative I'm not saying you have to implement a zone or or Throwing a, a token, you know, two two one, or you know, the way that some of these teams slow teams down in the half court. But you know, there's a little bit more onus on these guards to guard the ball and get through screens. Now you have to because these, you know, you can't have these teams playing downhill with Kofi out, putting more bigs in foul trouble. Now you're really shuffling around the rotation. So, you know, I, I think there's different ways to to look at it, right? You can maybe get a little bit more aggressive uh, on ball screen coverages. Maybe with Kofi out, you start. I, I think Omar pain would be really good in a situation where you have him hard hedging and using his length and I think he actually has pretty good hands too you don't want him reaching into the cookie jar too much but I think he, he's he could be good in that scenario and then being able to sprint back you tag on the backside with the with the guys that are playing low and wait for Omar Payne to return but I think it's a way to deter these guards from getting into the paint you know these these guards already have to fight around the screen uh to get catch back up to their man to to cut him off so you know, maybe you throw in some hard hedges when Kofi's out and you just throw a little bit something different. It's easy to get in into rhythm when they're coming off in these drop coverages and getting rhythm pull-ups or getting downhill and getting more bigs into foul trouble. So, like I said, you don't have to make a ton of changes, but I think at the same time, you know, there's there's room to be creative with it um, when Kofi's out of the game.
0: Dante Scott just kind of owned Illinois for a, a huge stretch there towards the end of the first half. What, what happened there and then the flip side of that is Demonte Williams who almost played the entire game 38 minutes. I believe it was really shut him down in the second half, only two points for Dante Scott. And that's kind of what we were concerned about coming into the season, right? Is is those bigger, still versatile fours We see, saw what EJ Liddell did to Northwestern. We know there's some good ones. They played well against Jamison battle. And I know we're going to do a film room breakdown of this, but um, what did you see in, in how Demonte Williams kind of changed things there defensively?
1: Well, I'd be remiss not to mention the Minnesota game too I mean he did the same thing on Jameson Battle and it's much less about hey he does this certain thing when he guards these guys he plays hard man he plays hard he gets through screens but the biggest thing for a lot of these skilled foremen they are salivating when they have other big men on them and you'll see it we'll do the film breakdown it is clear as day the confidence that they have when they have big men on them and the confidence that they have when they have smaller guards on them these pests that kind of can fight around in the post, can get through screens. There's just not as much comfortability there for these skilled fours, but I think that that skilled four position, it's the toughest position to guard in the Big 10. And I get it, there's a lot of really skilled guards, there's a lot of really good like skilled <laughs> big five men, but you kind of it kind of is what it is with the five men because it's, you know, you're going to put your biggest guy on him most likely. And the reason why you do that is because if you don't put the biggest guy on them and you put you want to put a more mobile four on a big five Now your five man has to go guard that that skilled four that we're talking about, so you can't do it. And and then even in these with these really skilled guards, right? The most talented guard on the opposing team is going to you know the perimeter, the best perimeter defender is going to draw that assignment. You know, so that that four position, that skilled four position, I think is it's the toughest one to scout for, And, and it's the one that forces you to shuffle around your defensive rotations the most, and. You know, I thought with Dante Scott specifically, you'll see it in the film as well, DeMonte fighting around, you know, not letting him get easy post touches. But even on the perimeter, he was not comfortable. And then he ended up just being in no man's land. And, and really just – like Fats Russell, a guy that wants to get downhill, couldn't get downhill because Dante Scott was just like standing at the elbow for no reason. Because when he tries to post and can't get anything, now he's kind of meandering out to the perimeter – but that's kind of already full. So he's back. He was in no man's land. You'll see it on the film. And I think that's why Demonte's has done such a good job. He has the great blend of athleticism and strength and length. And I think that really bothers these four men. It bothered Battle and it bothered Scott.
0: Obviously, Kofi Coburn is a huge reason for this. Trent Frazier with this huge eruption. But Alfonso Palmer didn't make a three in this game, right? Uh, Jacob Grandison had his second worst game of the year uh, outside of Cincinnati. How are they able to win despite that?
1: Well, I talked about it earlier, right? I thought Coleman Hawkins played well. Yeah. Um, when those guys aren't playing well, you're going to need some supplements there. Like, you're going to need guys to, to step up in, in certain areas. And I thought Coleman was great on the glass. I, I thought he was, he was great. He finished, you know, in certain areas. And then Trent obviously had his flurry as well. But that's the thing. You hold down the fort long enough to let these game records be game records. That, that's what ends up happening and that's why i think a lot of these teams in the big 10 if you're watching illinois you got to play for 40 minutes yeah you may have a, a you know a 10 minute kofi stretch where you outscore them 29 to 7 or, or whatever it was but outside of that stretch there's still 30 more minutes of gameplay and they were dominant i mean i think kofi doesn't get in foul trouble they, they may win that game by 25 um you know there's there's a really serious chance of that but they had you know there were guys that stepped up in different ways but Namely, I mean, Kofi came back. <laughs> Kofi came back in the second half, and it was it was a wrap. And and I think that's what you see is where when he's playing close to thirty minutes, even if he sits for ten straight, it is hard to beat this team because the, like you still have all this other game left where you have to try to impose your will, and it's hard to do that with even when these guys are struggling from the outside. It didn't really matter because Kofi came back in and was about had about as dominant of a half as he's had you know and you mix that in with the Trent flurry i mean i'm not sure how you're coming out of that game winning it
0: yeah if he plays 30 minutes in a game mike illinois has such a great chance of winning right i mean arizona has been the only one who's had any kind of answer for him minnesota like ben johnson if anyone knows how to guard him please call me up um maryland has some bigs like reese is a springy big Uh, i know he's just a true freshman wahab had 12-8 at, at, at Georgetown last year, and Kofi just completely owned him, made him look like he was a mid-major center, right? So what do you see ahead? I mean, Purdue's got some some really big, big men. Michigan's got Hunter Dickinson. Michigan State's got a, a lot of depth there. Marcus Bingham's having a, a great season. Like, Do you think anyone in the Big Ten can do what Arizona did to Kofi Coburn?
1: I don't. I don't. I think Coloco – I mean, Coloco was the story there. Um, and he's going to be a first-round pick. So, you know, that, that type of length I think bothered Kofi. And I thought, you know, Kofi missed some bunnies too. I think that he was 5 for 15 in that game and could have very easily been 8 for 15. Yeah. And, and then it's not really as big of a story. And maybe they win the game, you know, with, with how close that game was. Uh, but, no, I, I think it's advantage Kofi basically in every game that you roll in and i say purdue purdue is going to be where it's probably the closest um and then i also think with ohio state there's going to be some questions around if e.j liddell does play the five then kofi defensively you know what do you do i think that was a problem last year especially in Champaign when ohio state came in and won that game um you know so i I think you got to be creative but kofi's kofi's taking another step defensively so i think that's not what i what i worry about as much and then this is why we talked about before that middle of the pack and then the bottom feeders in the big 10 he's gonna have a field day against all of them against all of them and and we we saw it with a team with Maryland who still like we talked about doesn't really have much of an identity but still has good players and honestly it just kind of didn't matter um when Kofi was on the floor it just didn't and he's he's become the great equalizer um in this in this conference and you know, even when you have the, the good guard play, when you have a, a Jaden Ivey, when you have a, you know, a Keegan Murray, i said say guard play, you know, small yeah. forward type play, and Johnny Davis as well, there are guys that you can stick on those guys. And then you can also bank on a potential bad shooting night. Now, there's a lot of things that can happen. It's hard to get an, uh, an out-of-character, inconsistent, low field goal percentage night out of Kofi. Like, the odds of it happening are very low. So that, what we talked about, that raises the floor – for this Illinois team. So, you know, I I think it's tough. You can go down each – and each team has some sort of advantage. I think, like I said, Ohio State has a major advantage with DJ Liddell. You know, Michigan State has been electric in transition. Purdue, there's not two guys in the country that are like Zach Eadie and and Travion Williams in the way that they play them in tandem. So, you know, and an elite guard as well when you add on top of that. So, I, I think this Big Ten conference, it's pretty wide open. Like it really, it really is, and 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 we talked about the top five, putting together your top five in the Big Ten. That was hard. Yeah. It was hard, and then when you when you talk about putting them in order, it's hard. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be a really interesting last couple months here, or I guess next couple months in in, in the schedule here. And it's 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 certainly certainly not going to lack the, the dramatics because I, I think you have a lot of of good teams in this conference. A lot of this is probably the most star power we've seen in this conference. Collectively, in, in a long time. Um, but man, I mean, we're shaping up for, for an exciting finish. we am like four games in.
0: <laughs> and then Tuesday is kind of the, well, you kind of just say oh, Illinois should take care of business. Uh, they've had some struggles uh, at Lincoln, and including last year when Io DeSumo needed to bail Illinois out. That was the great thing about having a superstar like that. Um, Nebraska's bad. They're, they're 0-5. This thing with Fred Hoiberg is not working, which is a surprise. I think everyone thought he was a great hire. Taking over for Tim Miles could potentially take them to the next level, but it's just kind of a turnstile of, of intriguing talent that only stays there a year or two. But they're 6-10, 0-5, Mike. They competed against Ohio State at home, took them to overtime, competed against Michigan State for about 38, 39 minutes, and then lost that one. But they've been blown out by Rutgers, blown out by Michigan um, at home. And Alonzo Verge, Bryce McGowan, they got talent. They're not that efficient. Uh, but they can go off and and they can they can score offensively, but it's just again, Kofi. if Kofi has a normal game where he's playing twenty five thirty minutes, I think it's really tough for the corn Huskers to compete. but what do you think? like what does everyone need to do to make sure this isn't even interesting?
1: Yeah, I mean, like we talked about, it's been interesting the last couple of years in Lincoln um or a couple of times that they've gone up there in Lincoln. I remember when I was there, we had a weird game, my junior year it was forty four forty three. I believe was what the final score ended up being. So weird things have happened up there, but I think the thing with this Nebraska team that makes them just a little bit dangerous is it would be one thing if you looked at that team and said, they just don't have the guys, right? They just don't have the guys, but they do. I mean, you talk about the McGowans, you talk about, I mean, there's. I think mean, there's a chance the other McGowan comes back, you know, for this game and uh, Derek Walker as well is just a guy that has given some post players in this conference fits because he's just, his base, he's strong, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if they just say, hey, you're one-on-one with Kofi, and we're going to we're gonna play these shooters and we'll maybe dig a little bit. That's what Wisconsin did to Purdue, right? No, we're going to let you go left shoulder, right hook all game. That's great, but we're not going to let these other guys go, and I could see that being a thing with Nebraska, and you talk about Alonzo Verge, bit of a journeyman. Um, you know, he's, he's tra- transfer market, and and Hoyberg's done, I don't want to say he's done a great job over the year of of bringing in transfers but he's brought in transfers yeah. so there's just never a continuity with this Nebraska team and it seems like they play spoiler sometimes towards the end of conference play because it's always just this overhaul of the roster but, um, but they're still a team. You look at Lat and a guy that is capable of hitting five, six threes in a game and yeah, Trevor Lakes has had some games this year where he's stepped up. I know his playing time has dwindled a little bit um, as of late but they have guys. I mean, this isn't a team that's just you know completely devoid of any talent. I mean, they have that. And you, do, you just don't want it to be the night that they all put it together. Yeah. So, you know, we saw it against Ohio State where, you know, Ohio State held on in, in Lincoln. Um, but we talked about it. That game went to overtime. And if you let Nebraska just stay on the floor and keep playing, eventually they'll Nebraska. But you don't want it to come down to that. So I think you established Kofi early. There's no question about it. If they want to play him single coverage, then you feed him – the entire night and then you let him play out of it they switch coverages start doubling now your shooters get loose a little bit but finding ways to get defensive stops and get out in transition and find those easy baskets I think kind of will end up being the story of the game but we've seen this defense ascending right it's been trending in the right direction it's been trending in the direction that I think Brad Underwood wants it to be in so you know that's where it's all going to start not letting these guys get going especially from the perimeter you know and you should be in good shape
0: yeah it's uh i know it's only five games in but they're the worst offense in the big 10 worst defense in the big 10 the one thing they do is they force turnovers and get steals uh which we know is a a weakness for illinois they do give up a lot of three pointers and a very high percentage of them which you would think is is good for kofi unless they go one-on-one with kofi which is advantage kofi and illinois uh mike before we get to your top five in the big 10 uh Andre Curbella, man, this confusing uh, Seth Davis you know, puts out this morning that he's ramping up physical activity and come back. Our Joey Wagner asked Brad Underwood about that and said, well, that's not going to happen. Um, you know, He quoted Seth Davis and quoted Brad Underwood. It uh, must have been yesterday talking about Andre, and, and he said he had a setback. So don't know when he'll come back, man, uh, but it sounds like they're trying to get him back. But it's, it's just a frustrating experience because we don't know everything that's going on with him. But, boy, if, if they add him, it's like – that 10 minutes during Maryland, if you had Andre Curbelo offensively, especially it would have been different.
1: Well, it got stagnant. I think yeah. that you, we talked about the defense and how the interior defense was bad um, in that Maryland stretch that 27 to nine stretch that they had, but the offense was stagnant. And it was really hard because we, we went back to what we talked about in the beginning of the year with Andre Curbelo. When you have a guy that can break, break guys down off the dribble and, and get other guys to commit. That's when you get a little bit more those open shots and you don't have you know, Alfonso Plummer off foot floaters that are airballing, and Jacob Granison's trying to take guys off a dribble, which he can do, but it's not necessarily what you want to be your first option. So, you know, I, I think in those moments, it-, it helps because not only is Andre Corbello a calming influence on the offensive end um, and a guy that can really kind of have the keys to the car and just and put you in the right places, but defensively, we've talked about what he can do guarding the ball, and he showed it last year at the end of the year. Trent Frazier fantastic and a lot of times that interior defense it's about getting through screens it's about guarding the ball so you don't have to get those guys going downhill into that interior defense so you know I, I think he'll be whenever he comes back it's going to be a massive lift for this team and it's a team that has ascended since Kansas City we I mean there's no question about that they're sitting here analytically as the top team in the Big Ten um, you know I know the, the ranking that top 25 doesn't necessarily agree with that but um, you look at all the analytics and, and what they're doing and how they're putting it together, and then you think about adding in a guy like Andre Curbelo, and, and it gets scary not only just to think of their potential, but scary if you're just a, a Big Ten team that, that has to deal with Illinois.
0: Okay, Michael Tuip, let's get to your top five of the Big Ten, which, as you said, is a very difficult task at this point of the year. Uh, Most teams outside of Michigan are a quarter or at least a fifth of the way through the Big Ten season, obviously about halfway through the college basketball season. So let's start with number five. Who's number five in the Big Ten right now for you?
1: Yeah, right now number five is Wisconsin. Um, Johnny Davis, there's no question right now. Big Ten player of the year. Maybe front runner, but you could probably throw him in the National Player of the Year front runner. Maybe front runner as well, just the way that he's he's played here to start the season. But this team lost a lot in the off season, and I think I have them in my top five because of what we talked about earlier, right? That resume they have a lot of really quality wins, but I'm not as bullish on this team uh, when it comes to the full breadth of the conference slate. When it comes to March and beyond, they haven't shot it well. You know, their, their offense hasn't been great, although they've had some nuclear performances from Johnny Davis. Uh, but I think Davis raises their floor. There's no question about it. But it's going to come down to this supporting cast and how they help him out, you know, in, in terms of their quest to potentially get a Big Ten title or make a, a deep run in March. So that's, that's my number five.
0: A lot of close wins. Ken Palm has him as t- top 10 in luck so far this year. So, yes, Johnny Davis certainly makes them a lot better, certainly an NCAA tournament team. And right now I agree. I think they got to be top five based on their resume. But you wonder, like, okay, will they continue this? Is this sustainable for them? All right, number four, Big Ten. Who you got, Michael Tuip?
1: Number four, I got the Buckeyes. I got Ohio State, and it, I'm going to sound like a broken record with this Big Ten Player of the Year, National Player of the Year candidate type stuff, but EJ Liddell is right up there as well. He's, he's taken a massive leap defensively, the way he's, he's protecting the rim, and um, look, they have a few marquee wins. They have Duke on, on the resume. They have Seton Hall on the resume, and uh, but again, I, I worry about their guard play. Uh, Michi Johnson and uh, I think Malachi Branham has been fantastic. The last three games, right, he's had 72 points in the last three games. He had 63 in their first 10. So which Malachi Branham are you going to get the rest of the season? I think whatever Malachi Branham that ends up being is going to be where this Ohio State Buckeyes – or how high this Ohio State Buckeye team can go. But, look, they have the easiest Big Ten schedule. They got Purdue once. They got Illinois once. They got Michigan State once. So they're going to stockpile some wins here in the Big Ten. But does it bode well for March? I guess that remains to be seen.
0: Yeah, I think if Branham is, you know, big-time freshman of the year, good, I think this team could win the Big Ten. Uh, we'll have to see if that happens. Number three, Mike. Number three, uh, Michigan State Spartans.
1: Um, by the numbers, they're the they're the Michigan State of old, right? You know, they're winning games. They're electric in transition. They're shooting at a high clip. They're third in, the, in offensive rebounding percentage in the Big Ten – and you know I guess the only Achilles heel you could argue right now is that they're 14th in the Big Ten conference in turnover percentage but they've proven that that doesn't matter if you do these other things they've won Big Ten titles being 12th being 13th being 14th in the Big Ten in turnover percentage because they're getting a lot of those possessions back I think they're the maturation maturation of a guy like Max Christie and the progression of these younger guys mixed with some of these transfers I think they're going to continue to hit their stride but they they're also searching for that marquee win, yeah. right? You know they're they're in the same boat as Illinois in a sense. So I got them at three, and I think they're you know the four and zero start in the Big Ten isn't a fluke, but I think it remains to be seen. If they can stockpile some marquee wins as well.
0: Yeah, they lost to Kansas by thirteen, lost to Baylor by seventeen. Best wins so far, Loyola, Chicago, Yukon, and Northwestern so far. So I think it's like kinda like Illinois. It's yeah. Uh, what's their marquee wins? We'll find out a lot more about them over the next month, because they've had, just like Illinois, pretty favorable Big Ten schedule. All right, you haven't said Illinois yet. Number two, Mike. Number two,
1: I got the Boilermakers. Uh, ooh. I got I got Purdue. Okay, look you know, they can still come into every game with an advantage with their big guys and their elite guard play with, with Jay Nivy. Okay, so, like, that's a massive, massive deal when you talk about this Big Ten conference. And I, I think that Villanova win, seeing them win the game and the way that they did it, that still holds some weight in my eyes. You know, I, I it's not a senior thing thinking, hey, they're not as good of a team. I think their ceiling is incredibly high. But that defense is an issue right now. It is. And I, I know Matt Painter will – We'll tell you that as well. If you can make shots against Purdue, you're in the game. There's no question about it. Wisconsin exposed some things on the, on the defensive end of, hey, maybe you don't have to double these guys. Maybe you don't have to double Zach Eadie or Travion Williams. So play him straight up and not get who I think the X factor, Sasha Stefanovic, is we don't get him going. When he hits four or five threes, that's a really, really tough team to beat. So, you know, I, I say those, those struggles that they've had defensively. I mentioned ways that you can potentially beat them. But at the end of the day, they got two of the best big men in the country and they have an elite top 10 NBA draft pick in in Jaden Ivey. So that's why I have Purdue at number two.
0: Yeah, I think they might have the highest ceiling in the Big Ten, right, when it comes to NCAA tournament play because who can match up with those big men outside of a team like Illinois, Arizona, you know, Final Four kind of teams. Um, And uh, Jaden Ivey, man, is a guy that can take over a game. Um, So I I think they have a really high ceiling, but the defense, can Matt Painter fix that? Uh, Do they have enough guys uh, that can can defend? Because that's the issue kind of with those big men, right, is they're really good offensively, but defensively they can have some letdowns. So number one. Illinois.
1: I got. I have Illinois at number one. We talked about it before the season. Least amount of question marks, in my opinion, um, with the way that they play and now the way that they're defending. I think that's that's what kind of put them over the top for me right now. And, and look, we're talking about yes, this is right now they're undefeated in Big Ten play, but also I, I mean I, I'm trying to project a little bit here out into March and in, in these teams that are going to to hit their apex and what that looks like and who they're going to have to depend on. Look, they've won 9 of 10. The analytics back it up. But we talked about the eye test. Backs it up, too. Just watch this team. It's hard. It's a a pick-your-poison type of team. They're rebounding at a high level. They're shooting it at a high level. Um, They're defending the three at a high level. And that's partly because of their on-the-ball defense and the way that they get through these screens. And, look, teams that do that win at a high rate. It's proven, right? This isn't just orange and blue coursing through my veins. I'm trying to remain as objective as possible and the analytics back it up. This is a really, really tough team to beat when they have all these things in place. And I think the biggest thing that they've proven is that they're not just Kofi and a supporting cast, right? They have a ton of different game records on this team. We saw Trent do it, right? We've seen Alfonso Alfonso Plummer do it. We've seen Jacob Grandison do it. And you have Andre Curbelo kind of waiting in the wings to come back. So that's why I have them at number one both right now, the way that they've played this Big Ten conference schedule, but also, you know, projecting out here into March and, and hopefully April.
0: Yeah, Mike, I think the one question we still might have, especially after the Arizona game, Marquette game, is closing, right? Um, some of these games, they've, they've been winning by a lot of points here yeah. recently. It's been pretty comfortable. Um, so without Andre Curbelo, that could be the interesting thing is they play Michigan, Purdue, Michigan State in the coming weeks. Even with a team like Wisconsin, right, that kept things close. I think that'll be another test, which is going to be fun to watch, right, to see what this team has over the next month.
1: I agree. and I, and I think they have pieces in place right now that I think I was asked this question a couple of weeks ago. You're drawing up a play for Illinois at the end of the game. you know what are you what are you drawing up? and granted that time score situation that that all factors in. But I'm getting Alfonso Plummer coming off of some sort of screen. and it may not be for him to catch it and shoot it. If it's an option, great, but slips out of that. Like having him as a guy that the defense can focus in on at the end of the game is huge. running him off screens and you know, action that back screens, making him a screener, right? Like there's a lot of things that you can do and he makes you a little bit more versatile in those end of game scenarios. So um, I- I'm really interested, like you said, to see them in those situations. And I think there's a good chance that over these next, you know, four games, right. You know, how they have played in Lincoln over the last few years, you know, against Nebraska, against Michigan, against Purdue, against Michigan state, I would imagine one of those four games, we're going to see one of those scenarios yep. and and last time when it was close like that we got a i think we got a 5 second call uh, with Alfonso Plummer so you hope not to repeat that but i'm really interested to see how they you know how they manage that what what Brad Underwood decides to draw up and i think all of it depends on time and score if it's a, if it's a one point game probably go into the big fella if it's not you know you can find other ways to get these shooters involved and get slips out of it and get easy baskets so they're positioned well when they have to be in that scenario, but taking it a step further, these guys have to step up and make big plays in those moments.
0: Nebraska Tuesday night. We'll see if Michigan happens on Friday night. Hopefully, it does because Michael Tufts supposed to be back in Champaign, right?
1: Yeah, live first <laughs> time since uh, I, I believe the Valpo Nit game in 2017. After I finished Wright State, I drove over and caught that game, but haven't been in the haven't been in the State Farm Center since 2017. So it'll be. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be nice to to get back in there if if this game decides to
0: happen on on Friday all the duck memes aside like Michigan this is this is a missed opportunity for them right I mean they're not they're not not chasing a Big Ten title and and cutting games like they have to win games to get to the NCAA tournament against good opponents and they're missing it and uh, for for Illinois I mean I think Mike they should have enough to be available we don't know don't know if it's spreading throughout the team but uh, certainly they had a bunch of guys out but that five-day kind of quarantine period you hope that they're uh, ready to play this game, and I think Michigan wants to play this game because they need a win against a team like Illinois.
1: You're right. I'm glad you mentioned it. The, all the all the ducking stuff. <laughs> I, I get it. Maybe you have a case last year where they're just trying to preserve the winning percentage. But hey, at the end of the at the end of the day, they need, and when I say need, I need, I mean need these wins. And and this is a very very tough opportunity because not only okay, you talk about missing those games, but now you're talking about rescheduling those games and potentially playing these same teams on two days rest on one day's rest and that's i think if you're Juwan Howard and these guys that's more of what you wouldn't want to do as opposed to just you know being able to play these games against illinois and against you know michigan state as well and and being able to reschedule that but man you know i don't think there's any ducking going on this year but you know it's certainly a game that i'd like to see happen because we didn't correct me if i'm wrong we didn't get to see that last year right They, they they were on pause and couldn't come to Illinois, right? Yeah,
0: um, yeah. I mean, we had, they had to play, obviously, in Ann Arbor. Uh, and They got to, they got a, a bad deal there because Illinois came out fired up uh, but still didn't win the Big Ten Championship. Michael Toop, we're going to do a VIP film room breakdown of Illinois and its defense uh, against the four men the last couple of days. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. But always appreciate catching up with you, man, and we'll have a lot more to talk about next week.
1: Awesome, man. Thank you.
0: Great stuff, as always, from Mike Latuop. Check out our film room we're going to have up very shortly on the website, breaking down, and really it's almost like a a love letter to Demonte Williams' defense against bigger opponents. So uh, check that out. Uh, It certainly gets his due, the super senior who's been so instrumental, especially – to Illinois' defensive progress, which has been pretty marked here uh, in the last couple weeks. Alright, Illinois at Nebraska on Tuesday. Both Derek Piper and Joey Wagner will be out in Lincoln for that one. Uh, we also chat with Barry Lunny Jr., the new OC of Illinois later this week, so we'll have plenty of content coming up at Illini Inquirer. As always, appreciate listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review. Please do that. It helps us out a ton when you do that, uh, so take a second, give us a rating if you want to. Uh, give us a nice review that always helps us out as well we appreciate when you do that but until next time everybody take care of each other have a great day we'll chat to you next time on the alana inquire podcast